Hey, hey, welcome to the Sweat and Reflect podcast, where we'll break down how life is happening for you and not to you. I'm Meredith, a 30-something teacher and health coach who is committed to helping you realize your potential and crush your goals. We'll laugh together, cry together, and at the end of the day, grow together. Are you ready to sweat and reflect your way through this crazy thing we call life? Okay, then let's go. Hey friend, welcome back. Let me just say again how grateful I am that you are here, that you are resonating with the deep (laughs) insights to my story that I am sharing. I know that it is a lot. I know that for some of you, it might be triggering, but I just truly appreciate the openness and the acceptance that you are providing me to fully share my story As I've said the past few episodes, you know, I'm sharing this not for sympathy, not to badmouth anybody, but just to truly shed light on what it's like to love someone with an addiction. It is something that we are definitely not talking enough about. And again, if I can help one person not feel so alone, then that's what I'm I'm here to do. So to continue along with that thread, I thought I would jump into some of the ways you can support yourself if you are finding yourself in a situation where you love someone with an alcohol addiction, another sort of addiction, and just to share my experience with it. It is not to dissuade you from getting support in one form or another, or to encourage you to getting a certain form of support. But these are going to be two forms of support that I've had mixed mixed feelings about. So let's start with the fact that when you are loving an addict, it is so difficult to find time for yourself because you are constantly, at least in my experience, in a state of worrying, protecting, cleaning up after, loving, supporting, you name it, you are doing whatever you can for this person that you love, right? You might have some sleepless nights. You might just feel a constant state of panic. You will more often than not feel isolated. If you're anything like me, you know, you may not have clued in some of your closest people into what you are dealing with on a daily basis. Doesn't mean that it's not evident to them, but you actually saying the words, my husband is an alcoholic, my sister is an alcoholic, you know, whatever sentence you have to put together is is really hard and it almost makes it more real. At least that's what I found in my experience by sharing this with the people that I'm closest with, by actually shining a light on it. It was going to make it that much more real. And so that was one form of support that I did not give myself, right? I just did what I could to hold it all together. And there's nothing wrong with that. But again, it's isolating. So here are two ways that you can at least take that time for yourself. The first and my favorite 
is therapy. Oh my gosh, therapy. (laughs) I mean, I believe everyone should have a therapist regardless of what's going on in their life, just for the pure fact that if we are going to go to the doctor for our bodies, we should also be going to the doctor for our minds and just to have someone that we can connect with and bounce ideas off of all the things. So honestly, I don't remember when I specifically went back to therapy. I want to say it was the fall of 2019. I'd been in and out of therapy years prior, hadn't really found a therapist that I really connected with. And, you know, the summer of 2019, I had started to loop family members in. And one of the things that I was desperately trying to do was at least get Tim into therapy as well as myself um, or us as a couple, I should say. And finding us a couple's therapist was really difficult. Um, Tim wasn't necessarily thrilled with the idea of therapy. So at some point I just decided, screw it. I need this, right? I need this for me. I need someone who is a non-biased third party who I can just let it all out to and he or she can hopefully mirror back, you know, what it is that I should be doing, my the the habits that are serving me in this state of life, the habits that are not serving me or Tim. You know, I just I just really needed that third party. So I found my therapist and oh, I love her. We are still together. <laughs> and she was and she still is a saving grace. She came into my life at the time at the perfect time, the time when I needed her most. And having her, having that hour a week to just sit with her, to cry, to fully share the story, start to finish, knowing that she did not have a stake in the game in terms of siding with me or with Tim or a family member. She just had to be there just to listen to me. And, you know, one of the things that I do love about her is she questions me. And so in the early months of our therapy, in the early stages of our therapy, you know, there were a lot of questions. How are you handling this? What are you doing? You know, and really forcing me to reflect on my own behavior. And was I really benefiting our situation? Was I, you know, making it worse? All of the things. As I said, we are still together today. And there is not a therapy session that goes by where in some way, shape, or form, we don't, or we do, we, I just totally got lost <laughs> in my words. Um, there is, oh, every week we have some sort of connection back to Tim, back to my life at that point in time and how I am learning and growing from that situation. And, you know, there are, there are so many times where even in therapy right now and still being in the early stages of my relationship with Ryan, you know, I am talking to her about the things that I'm realizing that are triggering me from my relationship with Tim and how I am working past, working through them, not even working past it, working through them, whether it's a conversation that I have to have with Ryan or it's something that he does that sends my body back into 
that panicked, anxiety-ridden space, not because he's doing anything wrong, but whether it's a word choice or the way he moves, like something, right? It's those subtle things that our body remembers almost more than our minds. And those are all key moments that, you know, I reflect back on my therapy with her and I think, okay, take a deep breath. Why is this triggering me? How is this connecting to my past? And how can I move forward? And I think that it is just so important. And so if you, let's connect this back to you. If you are in a state where, again, you are loving an addict or you are just finding you need that extra support, please find a therapist. I have no doubt that if you put yourself in a situation to have that non-biased third party, you will not only start to feel a weight lifted off of your shoulders, excuse me, but you will start to do the work on yourself that you've been avoiding. And I know for a lot of us, we don't want to lift up that rock, right? We don't actually want to dig deep and figure out what's triggering us or what we've experienced that we're still holding on to. But especially as you are navigating a season where you are loving someone with an addiction, you need to do that work. You need to put yourself in a situation where you aren't being reactive all the time, where you can just sit and process and regroup and again, take time for you. Now, it may not be easy to find a therapist that you immediately mesh with, and that's okay. I just encourage you not to get discouraged, right? There is a therapist out there for you. And maybe you want to look at a therapist who specifically deals with family members who love an addict. Maybe you just want a therapist that is specialized in trauma. There's so many different ways and resources that you can find a therapist that's really going to work for you. And um, if I'm not mistaken, I will double check it after this episode and put it in the links. But I just went on psychology today and I just started putting in, you know, my insurance information. Um, and they have, they asked like a few other questions and that's how I found my therapist. It wasn't through a referral. It was just from combing the depths of the internet, um, putting in my zip code, all of the things and, you know, just looking at their bios. So step one, without a doubt, I encourage you to get a therapist. Take that time for yourself. I promise you it will help. Now, the other option that I have heard time and time and time again is to go to Al-Anon. Now, you've probably heard of AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. Al-Anon is, or Alateen, are organizations that are strictly for the family members or the people associated um, with an alcoholic. There is absolutely nothing wrong with this program. It benefits thousands, if not millions of people. It is a support system where it is not just you and a therapist. It is you being in a room with other people who are experiencing the same thing you are. And that is not something to turn our noses down at, right? In this situation where we may often feel so isolated, it's 
comforting to be in a room with other people who truly get it. I'm going to put a link to the Al-Anon website. You can find, they're still doing some Zoom meetings. You can find meetings in your local area. They're usually held in um, some sort of church or school. And if that sounds like it would be beneficial to you to have a group setting to really connect with other people who are in your situation, I highly suggest it. My tone with regard to Al-Anon is, yes, met with some resistance on my own part, but also the fact that so many people told me, oh, if you just go to Al-Anon, like your problems will, will be fixed, right? Because you will be talking to other people who love an alcoholic. I loved that they cared about me and that they were giving me this advice. But I always just felt like, I really don't know if this is for me, especially since I was at a point where I didn't know how much more I could take, right? So I went to an Al-Anon meeting. A family member came with me. And again, I see the benefits of it. You are in a safe space. You can share about your experience. They actually give you, I think it's like a card and it's got 25, like 30 statements or questions. Um, And, you know, it's like um, you live or associated with someone who has X amount of drinks a day. You fear for that individual getting in a car. Like it goes through all of the questions that you suddenly realize, oh, this is the checklist that I go through in a day. And I didn't even, I wasn't even coherent of it or wasn't even aware of it. So my first experience, I went with a family member and we were given this card and I'm going through and I'm like, yep, this is pretty much my life. And I just remember sitting there as the other individuals came in and just feeling like this wasn't providing me with comfort. If anything, it was frustrating me because it almost felt to me like no one was necessarily moving forward. So, for example, one of the individuals in this group was explaining how they still live with the alcoholic in their life, but they don't actually have any sort of relationship, right? They live on two different floors of the house. They don't really overlap in terms of eating, discussing. There's literally no communication, but they're going, they, they, at least, you know, back in 2019, they, they have continued to live together and this is what works for them. And this individual sharing this was a good 20 years older than me. And I remember just sitting there looking at this person thinking, that cannot be my life. And I was not trying to pass judgment on them. But for me, it just woke me up that I was like, I cannot sit here and live in a house with my husband where we just live completely separate lives, but we don't do anything 
to move our relationship forward, help one another, support one another, like whatever adjective you want to throw in there. And I was like, can I really do what this individual is doing? Just kind of put a stiff upper lip, live my own life and just allow Tim to live his. Like that to me just sounded crazy. And you know, then there were other individuals there who were parents of an alcoholic. And that right there is a completely different dynamic. And so I left that meeting thinking, okay, this is great. And I'm so thankful that these people have this support system where they can go and they can talk and they can express themselves with people who understand. But at that point, I was in such a different mindset in terms of what I wanted my life to look like, what I really needed in terms of support, and what I just wanted to feel. So for me, that was my first and last Al-Anon experience. And you know, there have been some people that said, I encourage you to go back or find a different group and well, I understand that and respect that, you know, I know myself and I know the inner work that I've been doing. And I just feel like for me, Al-Anon is going to drag me back into it, into like that daily anxiety, mind racing, having to think about those moments in my marriage where I was terrified for Tim's safety. And that is not a situation I am choosing to put myself in. But if you are someone who has not started to do the work and or you were just looking for a baseline, a lifeline, someone who, people that will be in your corner, look up at an Al-Anon meeting. There is no harm in just going. There is no harm in just listening. You you can share your story, but you are, you are under no obligation if you were in the room to share your story. And again, maybe this is just the first step that you need. And maybe you will have a gut reaction like I did that this was not going to serve me. And maybe this will feel like home to you. Either way, I really ask you to sit with yourself and think about what type of support you need. Is it one-on-one where therapy is going to be key for you? Is it therapy and something like Al-Anon? Is it just something like Al-Anon? You know, what, what is speaking to you? What do you feel in your gut you need? And then the one other thing that I will say about this is if you are living with the addict that you love, you know, you have to really decide if you are going to be sharing with him or her sharing with them if that you are going to therapy or going to Al-Anon because if you do start to attend these meetings especially Al-Anon is typically at night you know how is that going to impact your relationship I'm not saying don't do it um, but you know that was also something that I took into consideration you know and I I would tell Tim okay I'm I'm going to therapy I'm going to Al-Anon and kind of watch his reaction to it And, you know, that, that did start to shine a light on other, on other issues that we were having. So I hope this is making sense. There, there are so many factors in terms of loving someone with an addiction, taking care of yourself, finding a support system that works for you. And so I guess just to try and wrap this all up is what is it that you need? 
right? There is absolutely no harm, no shame in putting yourself in a situation where you get to take care of yourself. So if that means going to therapy, attending an Al-Anon meeting, any other host of organizations that are out there. For me, therapy and Al-Anon were like the two big ones that kept um, coming up for me in my journey. So that's why I'm choosing to share about this right now. Um, But again, you really need to think about what works best for you, what's going to serve you, what conversations around therapy and or Al-Anon are you going, are you willing to have? But I just beg you not to feel ashamed, (laughs) ashamed. So I'm really struggling with my words today of, of seeking that help, of getting that support. Again, this, this journey, this love can feel so incredibly isolating, but you don't need to be isolated. You have me, you have other women who have walked this path before you, unfortunately, who are walking this path with you simultaneously. Just know that you are entitled to support. You are entitled to help. You are entitled to self-love. You are entitled to love from others. So take some time. If you're not in therapy, if you're not attending Al-Anon meetings, think about what's going to work best for you. Where, Where can you start? You know, oh, the one thing I didn't even think, telehealth is obviously huge right now. So can you connect with an online therapist if you are worried about leaving the house or whatever the case is, if you have kids? There are so many options right now, more than ever before. So just do a Google search. I'll drop some links in the show notes that I think might be helpful for you. And, you know, if you really need someone to walk through this with, send me a message on Instagram and I got you. Okay, I've been there. I'm I'm sharing all of this so that you know you don't have to walk this path alone. You've got this. You are strong. You are capable. You are loved. And I'm here for you. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. If you love this episode, share it with your bestie or share it on social media and tag me so I can thank you for your support. I am so grateful to share this space with you. Talk to you soon.